and welcome being community radio how you guys doing it's been a while it's been a while i've actually skipped a few shows here and there with all the holidays and my insecurities so i'm <laughs> i'm glad to take a holiday for my insecurities and be here with you guys and we have lilith fred i keep forgetting your name fred we, we need to see each other more often and of course richard rand and we have uh, we want to talk about flow we want to talk about peak experiences and integrating them and what that all of that means to us and the uh prized uh, p- uh sought after state of i want to say flow again where we know things are going right where we know when the right time in the right place where things come to us we don't have to go fight for them where we recognize the relationships events people things that are coming our way is a direct response to our imagination to our beliefs of ourselves and more importantly whatever is aligned with our highest good highest value highest purpose and right before the show started Lilith was talking about entering godhood and experiencing just this state of peace where you know everything is okay and some of the work that you've done Lilith in just getting to that place where you're always this uh, fairy-like vaguely yes yeah okay yeah I, so I grew up in Alabama in Christianity and I tend to use the word divinity divinity quite often and that is because growing up in Christianity I was always taught and it was said that we're separate from source right or that God is like this big old man that stands above us and judges us and so forth and I always felt uneasy with that I always felt a good bit of guilt and shame and not knowing why because I always felt like a positive person but according to the church I wasn't so it didn't quite resonate or make sense and then when I became 19 I flew to California and ended up in Ocean Beach San Diego and I that's where I partook my first psilocybin journey and got a lot of clarity as to what the ego was and lots of good details and there on a cliff one day I came to the space where I was willing to release the concept of guilt and shame and I was willing to do whatever it took to serve or to be divine or feel connected to grace and peace and joy inside and in that moment I was like I'm willing to do whatever it takes and my gut this voice from within me that would perk up every other time said you know you don't really want to know and usually I would distract myself when I would get to that space of honesty and this time I was like no I do want to know and that moment I kind of like cringed and waited for all like hellfire and brimstone to pour down on me and it wasn't that though it was the opposite like the voice it was a voice within me spoke out and it's literally said the words were forget everything you know forget everything you've ever been told all that exists is me and you listen to me and you'll be all right and that voice came from within me and with it I literally had this white bag come from the sun and I could see it almost like it went up my nose or like into my brain and encompassed my brain and as it was pulling out like it came out of my forehead and going into the sun and I'm serious I'm seeing this all in a very physical reality okay I just got off work parked my car was standing watching the sunset and this all happened so the point that I'm making is that in that space I felt my oneness with 
the creator and my connection to God on a very physical level and real level when I was willing to give up my attachment to shame and guilt and dogma and so forth. So when I was willing to face that and let it all go, Spirit was like, okay, here, now you can feel peace and satisfaction and joy and love and so forth. And from that day forward, it's been a constant, it was very vivid kind of awakening, you know? It was very, it's very constant how divinely led everything is and what we really are. Even if I'm not always in my highest light, which I have, you know, areas that I'm working through and I don't think about it until it comes up and then it's like, wait a second, I could be handling this situation much better, you know? And you go back and address it. So it's like forgiving ourselves, moving forward. But whatever we do, don't let guilt and shame stick around. Like if ever there's something that comes up and it doesn't feel good, go ahead and know it's from the lower self and don't feed it. Don't give any heed to it. Just like focus on positivity, love, and light. It really is that simple. And if something does come up that we need to address, just address it. And then let it be like water off a duck's back and keep on going. Oh. You did that in four minutes, and people spend a lifetime <laughs> trying to free themselves from guilt and shame. And I say four minutes, kind of jokingly, but it sounds like I, I still don't understand how you... Uh, I'd love to hear if there was a transition from... I mean, unless it was that moment in the parking lot. Like, were you in a state of guilt and shame pr- prior to that, that you were really afraid of what can come and punishment and all of that stuff because i grew up in the same way so i'm just curious was it really just that experience in the parking lot that uh, catalyst yeah yeah it like prior to that i had started tuning into organic foods and i had boxed up all of my fancy shiny jewelry and mess that was all like okay you're supposed to look this way and dress this way and walk this way per se i boxed it up and i brought it and donated it and then went and shopped at a local like thrift store and Ocean Beach is like a little hippie town on the cliffs and there in San Diego and so I had started to awaken um listening to reggae music going from country to reggae you know and I started to awaken but this actual moment was like when the light switch flipped on and then since then the experiences have only gotten more and more intense but I think the moral of the story is making space for light for the feeling of being one with the divine we actually have to make space for it and sometimes that means releasing old habits old perspectives old thought patterns that are limiting just letting it go if it doesn't serve us just let it go so that we can continue to evolve like we're a human race we're here on the planet to evolve to bridge per se the divinity like we come from the higher realms with the physical experience so let our bodies be a vessel for these two energies to merge in into oneness you're a community builder you're a manifester a professional manifester right i mean you're a full-time magician uh, i got to meet you recently but in some ways it feels like we have been doing this kind of work for a long time each of us doing our own work in our own corners until we're ready to actually build and co-create and now a lot of us a lot of us coming back together to work with each other and i am happy to really be able to talk to you about integrating your background of dogma guilt shame into it sounds like you somehow managed to still use a lot of what you've learned growing up and you just you just use the positive is that correct something That's like correct. that yeah and, and did you have support uh, did you did just you did you i mean did your prayers change did you stop praying one day and then you started praying again like talk to me about that for mm-hmm. example. exactly yeah i turned against the entire concept 
of God and Jesus and so forth for several years and then came back to it. And actually one day I, I, I was at my peak. I lived in Marina del Rey and lived in a beautiful condo. And I was doing everything that, you know, they say if you do X, Y, and Z and you drive this car, you have this companion or whatever, you'll be happy. And if you look this way, you'll be happy, right? So there was a moment of realization that I had met what my goal was or what I thought I had to do in order to be happy. And I was absolutely not happy. And I opened up the Bible and started searching for like some type of answer, direction, or peace. And it wasn't there. And I just slammed the Bible down. And I said, God, something's got to give. I screamed that. And literally, like that, within the next couple of days, I lost my, my like, or next couple of days to next couple weeks, my job, my car got totaled, all these, one thing after the other happened. And then that's when I landed in Ocean Beach. So it's been a multiple, like, really intense, precise moments that's brought to that awareness. I don't really know why this matters, though. So you're saying flow doesn't necessarily look gentle. Sometimes yeah, exactly. life corrects itself and chaos. It looks like chaos, but what seemed like chaos was actually what you were praying for. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what it's like. Sometimes when light hits us, it, it shatters things, right? So it's like the light brings crack or intensity mm, experiences bring cracks that let the light through. So sometimes someone could be in a pinch and you could be honest with them and it's not what they want to hear and they explode, but you walk away like, ooh, okay, that's going to take a little bit to set in, but I know it's going to do a lot of good after they sleep on it. It's going to click tomorrow and they're going to be like, yes, liberation, I get it, okay. And then they keep moving forward, you know. So uh, one thing I would say when I was young, I would say either this is going to break me or it's going to make me. And by George, it's going to make me. <laughs> so it is, we let life either get us down and bitter and turn to outside sources to heal that in moderation is positive but always remembering that it comes from within yeah and our gut letting our gut guide us what a great reminder for all of us doing spiritual work especially on tuesdays when things get tough what did lilith just say is this that what's the question so you're feeling you're not feeling good things are feeling contracted again you ask yourself is this going to break me or will the light finally break me open, shine through me? And that's a question that we can all ask ourselves every day with every challenge. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah, utilize it to heal ourselves. Utilize the challenges, the stress. Mm-hmm. It's like, puck, yeah, like this is fire. You see a diamond or a crystal, and it's there under the earth, and it goes through a lot of heat and a lot of pressure for a really long time, and then eventually it, it arises, you know? emerges and there it is so beautiful beautiful enough to wear around one's neck you know is something to be proud of and that's what we are we're crystals we're liquid water or we're liquid water we're liquid water is liquid crystals per se so there's many ways that the dots connect around in this philosophy or perspective you you, you guys are into crystals well what is, i want to hear crystals <laughs> i i have so i actually i stopped i mean for a little while i was buying crystals and stones at shops and stuff and this wasn't really doing anything for me I was like yeah and then I when I moved and I was just hanging out a lot in this park this really nice kind of deep woodlands park out where I live I was just walking one day and I found this tree and this is this is after I had started really communicating with trees and rocks a lot I, I found this tree that had like split in half and one half had fallen and I was just kind of looking inside where the roots were, and I noticed that there was this big stone sticking out of the ground. So I dug it out, and it was like this big kind of pinkish crystal that was in the shape of a heart. I showed it. To, oh, I, sh- I yeah. 
and um, I <laughs> it was the situation where I became very um, excited and um, amazed and it was very um, childlike which kind of shook me a little bit because I was like oh my goodness um, but it <sighs> It's been a... I've used it in my own kind of private journeys at uh, home. The crystal, the rock. Yeah. So you picked it up. You took it. Yeah. So, so now it's back in your life. Yeah. So the earth came back to you, winked at you, and you somehow, mm-hmm. you said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow my heart. I'm going to follow my instinct. I'm going to pick it up. And now it's become a friend of yours. Mm-hmm. You allowed yeah. yourself to be mesmerized by its magic, its I, glisten. It uh, drew you in. But there was this brief moment where I was like, not again. No, but well, it was almost like a return to this childhood, very young age, where I was amazed with everything, and I was like thrilled with everything, and everything be- was magical, and it, everything that I was discovering was for me to discover, and it was a little, f- little frightening, um, because it was so good. I was like, "What's going on here?" Um, but yeah. Good. So, you know, we go from too good to be true to it's so good it must be true. Mm-hmm. In the moon of the budding trees, I was gifted new eyes to see. All of the shifting shape and ways you can be. Wake the dreams into realities. Wake the dreams into realities. Sunset diamonds trickle down our cheeks. The language of no words is how we speak. Fred, we haven't seen you in a while. It's good to see you in the studio. You know, I'll tell you, I'm happy I didn't see you in a while in some ways because you have so much wisdom to give. Uh, my mother and I are very in tune, a lot of the same processes. She's all the way in Israel. We don't talk that often. And yet, for example, I called her up yesterday, and all she said, it's happening fast, doesn't it? And I said, yeah, it's happening very fast. And we were just talking about how we're experiencing so many changes so fast that it's really almost, for her, she described it because maybe it's her age or where she comes from. She describes it as a completely new paradigm, a completely new way to relate to the world. Language is changing. For me, it feels like finally things that have been deep, deep lodged in my imagination, fantasy, wishes, and dreams are finally actually happening in front of my eyes. So it feels fast to me because there are so many things that I like that are happening at the same time. And maybe it's just a frequency that makes it seem fast. Um, I don't know what it's like for my mother, but I'm asking you because you're, you are an astrology wizard. What is happening out there? What's going on in here? Ooh, that's a great question. What's going on? I guess in terms of the overall acceleration of everyone's consciousness. Oh, sorry. In terms of, sorry. In terms of, yeah, why did I apologize? That was, I apologize for no reason, but anyway. Talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, so you're talking about the overall just quickening that's happening? Yes. Oh, I'm asking you. Yeah. What What is in you, when you, if you were to do a reading or some magic session, we can do it just for 
us because you do know us or for the world at large what is happening because there's definitely something ha- happening i don't watch politics i don't watch too much of the news but i just i was somewhere and there was some politics on tv and it was the first time literally this p- season of politics that i saw people speaking at a podium and it made me like nauseous it didn't even <laughs> seem real it really yeah. didn't seem real it felt like it was a bad tv show that oh yeah somehow i am in <laughs> but you know so, if that if like you came to me with that i'd say it seems like you know you're you're kind of seeing the pattern and like the stage you know it's like the wizard of oz you're seeing behind the curtain you're like this is all bullshit these guys don't really do that you know you're you're an intuitive uh, wizard yourself it and you feels could, like it's like it, it really feels like that the people who i see on stage they're not even real they're literally oh yeah. the worst or best or weirdest versions of myself that mm-hmm. are getting recognized by the public yeah exactly they're playing out like um kind of like the collective unconscious in some way like there is like like donald trump's running on and he's getting a lot of popularity like this phenomenon from like an astrological perspective i find fascinating because he has like an unaspected Pluto in the 12th house, which, it, um, how do I put this into layman terms? Give me a second here. Let me translate. It's like he is this vehicle for the collective unconscious is uh, fear of losing everything. They're like, he's a billionaire. He's going to save us. They kind of look outside themselves for this savior archetype and somebody who's going to lead a military and ward off these foreign invaders. And that's like very strong signature in Trump's chart. He's got like Mars conjunct the ascendant. It's like, he's like a, it's like a warrior and also it's something kind of interesting. And I, I kind of hope the collective, like America doesn't have to have this experience, but they say that presidents have very strong aspects to uh, the USA's Pluto in its chart. And Donald Trump's Saturn is like exactly opposite. So like the plutocrats are like the people who are kind of like running the stage behind the scenes who put like the wizard behind the court curtain might say like, you know, they have their own. I, I believe personally, I don't know if it's true or not, but I believe that they have their own wizards, astrologers kind of mapping out. Oh, this guy could serve a purpose. This guy would be good for this. He'd be good for that. You know, he'd play the role that we need to be played at this time. Mm, that's interesting because. I like what you're saying, and I want to talk about it for a little bit longer because I don't have, and I, I'm really the I have n- w- people watching politics and watching sports and getting so heavily involved in other people, thinking that you really know what's going on with other people has always been so it's just waste of time for me. And I don't mean it like in I'm better than that way. I just feel kind of weird how we feel that we really know what's going on with someone else. However. Trump definitely symbolizes our what America really oh is like the, a lot of America really considers power and that it doesn't really matter what you say it's how much money you have it's the confidence it's the charisma and it's almost like people say out loud that they don't like Trump but then they actually do meaning what people are looking for is leadership and they don't know any other leadership but this like stern like tough dad sort of thing mm-hmm. like and israel actually experienced something very similar mm-hmm. people were very surprised that the bb was voted in because there were so many other choices in israel and yet he votes i mean he won in such a landslide and what i realized 
that what people want is a tough dad right now because they rather deal with somebody who just, you know, is at least faking their their, their confidence and just saying, hey, I'm not nice. I don't need to be nice. I'm here. I'm going to lead this. And and pe- people want certainty. And there's not there's not a lot of options out there. Mm-hmm. So if people had to choose between kindness and compassion and mean certainty, it seems that we are right now going after whoever feels the most confident, whoever, you know, is the combination of all of our dreams combined with an, uh, with with our sense of safety and insecurities. So Trump is getting this. And for me, Trump is not a real, he's just a guy. He's not a problem. Trump is really a reflection of our, you know, competitive, uh, mm-hmm. successful, selfish, but yet all about wealth and taking care of one another in a new way that's really the old way. And it, it's getting a lot of momentum for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And I like it. I actually like it. I don't like it from a, I can't wait for Trump to be president sort of way. But I like it because it's so in our face. It's in our face who actually we are, who America actually is. This is who we are. Not all of us, obviously. But this is America. Like, it's a one big theatrics of (laughs) of characters. And Trump is the loudest. And I, I think what you're kind of seeing that you like, and perhaps, you know, you don't have um, a language for it or a frame of reference, but, you know, like the myth of Krishna, of Krishna being born, one of the uh, sages, like uh, the prophecy was that the eighth born son of, I forget, this mother and father was going to be this deity, um, this avatar incarnating into human form, and he was going to kill this king that was ruling over this king who was like a real, real hard ass. And, like, the king, like, at first was, like, all worried, afraid, afraid, and then eventually he calmed down. He's like, ah, you know, whatever. I got some time. They're only on kid number four, kid number five, whatever. No big deal. And then uh, this sage, this wise person, I forget the sage's name, but he went in to this uh, unjust ruler's um, palace and just started triggering the hell out of him and being like, are you crazy? Uh, the eighth avatar of Vishnu is going to come down and kill you and you're not afraid what's the matter with you that you're not afraid he like triggered him to the so point where he created this ripe environment of injustice and that this like this soil of injustice was fertile for um, an avatar to incarnate into physical form and then once Krishna incarnated then the world started to shift out of its darkness into its light and right now the way I kind of see it, if you bring it up to a higher level, you know, you l- use the myths that at the end of the ages, which we kind of are, we're going from Aqu- from Pisces to Aquarius, that these uh, shifts, they're chaotic. A lot, of, a lot of things, crazy things happen, and things are going to have to get a little more bumpy until we get... Do they have to get bumpy, or do they just seem bumpy? They just seem bumpy. Right? You play you play it out on a large enough stage. It's, it's, it's just nothing. It's a joke. Yeah, it's like, oh well, look, I'm part of. I'm watching this greatest cosmic drama unfold. I've got a front row seat. If I just put on my magician spectacles, I could watch it, observe it, and not get caught up in it. Caught up in that drama of that. Oh my God, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. Oh my God, what happens with this? What happens with my 401k and all that stuff? It just seems like it. Really seems like that we are crying for help. And in the best way, it's 
because uh, we're looking at all the all the terrorism and you know I, I don't know what the st- statistics are but I bet actually I know some statistics but I bet that it's not any more it's probably a lot less than it was 10 years ago 15 years ago in many aspects of the planet we're just all connected and we all have the ability to focus and zero in on experiences because of the internet because of our topics of choice because of the election so we're just zeroing in on what's important to us because we can focus on anything it's true is there really more terrorism and chaos and destruction now than before Uh, probably not probably not i mean technically speaking yeah it's almost like um i don't know if you've ever seen iron man 3 but they talk about they have this um some social media company generated like this mandarin like it's like he was like an osama bin laden type guy and uh they're like, oh, he's gonna he's gonna uh, take over the world, and like there was like this power behind him, and like there was almost like a social media campaign of terrorism, and I, I, I you see that, and like these news shows, what doesn't sit right with me is like these news shows get higher ratings from like the more fear that's going on in the world. They're like, how long is that gonna last? But that's us. That's the thing. That's that's what we're talking about. How the, what's generate interest. What's generating the exposure is our own magnetism to it. We are attracted to it. It's mm. something that we're doing. So for us, all of this show, it's really showing us, hey, what are you focusing on? What are we doing? What are we, uh, what are we watching on TV? What are we expressing interest in? So what we are saying, when you use the Vishnu story and the Trump parallel, to we are coming face to face with the fact that we can destroy ourselves and we can heal ourselves. We have the power to destroy and refuse and build gate, uh, build gates and build walls, <laughs> <laughs> and really, you know, refuse refugees, accept refugees. Mm-hmm. It's all nonsense. There've been refugees all over the place. It, it's all us. We are the refugees. It's our ability to really accept our own brothers and sisters who we have ignored for so long that they're literally just coming out and saying, "It's us. It's me. You gotta, you know, mm-hmm. accept me." Let me in. And it's such a deep exercise and the human family to just really have a real topic of conversation that us sitting behind our TVs and just ignoring all of that won't work anymore. It's going to come to our houses and it has been. So it's a really great time for us to become aware of the power of our divinity, which includes destroying ourselves Mm -hmm. or saving us. Rather chaotic <laughs> edition of being community radio with so many amazing and and different community members. There is though sort of a common theme through all of this, isn't there? I mean, whether we're integrating in these peak spiritual experiences that we have in community, or we're um, medi- having a deep meditation and having some deep spiritual insight. Ultimately, 
to to ground this energy and to make it something that's really going to help us in our lives, we need to integrate it. Getting back to integration, we need to integrate it into what are we doing in between those experiences, don't we? Indeed. Is that what you feel? <laughs> um, that's what I was observing uh, through my listening of all the conversations here. Yeah, nice and that's way of summing up. Oh, go for it. Okay. And you brought up a good point. And you know, like, what good are reaching these peaks of spirituality? If we can't do something, you know, like the sun just progressed into Capricorn uh, at 11.56 or so last night. And Capricorn is one of the most mystical and spiritual signs, but it's more commonly known as like a very materialistic sign. Like Martin Luther King saying, like, I have seen the mountaintop. And what did he do with all this spiritual knowledge? You know, he was a disciple of Mahatma Gandhi. Right. You know, he went into service of humanity. That's Capricorn moving into Aquarius. I'm going to take my these spiritual gifts because I can't hold on to them myself. Once you realize that you have these spiritual gifts, they have to be shared for everyone. That's just how it works or else it's going to blow up on you in some way or you're not going to be able to handle it. It's not a container. It, like Service to the collective is part of it. And then through service to the collective, you create this world savior archetype from healed people, healed people, healed people of Pisces. Right, but but Fred, you would talk. You mentioned before earlier about how the the archetypes are changing, though. That even though, um, yeah, we can learn a lot from the ancient myths and the ancient archetypes, and and they serve us, you know, up until this day. That they're evolving, and that the the new archetypes, right, the new mythologies that are being spawned today are the Star Wars and the Star Trek and these new mythologies that are coming out that now serve humanity in a different way, don't they? They do, but you know, they are there's always a structure to it. There's like yeah. there's always like a common thread that translates and it, it it's a structure because it works. Like the top, like uh these avatars, you know, going back from like right. Rama to Vishnu to uh Buddha to Jesus, you know, they, they it goes like every age seems to have some sort of avatar and in Aquarius it's like it's almost like man gets to kind of be his own avatar to be his own savior because once he incarnates, or not incarnates, once he integrates his higher and lower self and builds a mechanism to contact his soul, you know, the soul creates healings of all things just around them, but through the, just the presence of the soul. So, Rich, with, with your experiences, and you were so forthright before with what has really shifted and changed for you in, in, in such a positive way um, that being able to reconnect with things that you've been disconnected to so much in your life. Um, what do you do to sort of do you? Well, actually, I guess the question, do you do anything sort of consciously, purposefully to make sure that you keep that connection? Or it's sort of now that you've reconnected to that that boyhood magician inside of you is it just there and it just playing a, a, a part in your life uh i think that i i would say now that it's just playing a part in my life because i'm not although i i love the idea of magic and i the occult and and that and and I see a tie-in with the mass and all that kind of stuff. And oh, the and hold the on a second. are we talking worked? about magic and occult as in it's outside our regular life? No, it's very much 
okay. a part of, or it can be very much a part of your life easily. I mean, it, the the old paradigm was that it it wasn't like right. you had to go find a master on a mountain somewhere. Now it's the we, paradigm is it's here. It's here it's for what everybody we're doing all the time. Um, Spelling exactly, words. and but abracadabra. I I don't personally. I don't get too caught up in the the craft of it like the I've got to do it exactly right um, because that for me was the way that you know that worked in the Catholic mass you had to do it exactly right say the right words or else it wouldn't happen the correct way and for me I'm more of just I'm discovering more of a player in that like I'm not worried if something doesn't go exactly the way I expect it to do when I'm doing my own personal well, let's journey be honest. And from your personal experience it actually doesn't work I mean, in the Catholic way, or I grew up in a Jewish way. And it's not about Jewish or Catholic, but I remember that you had to have specific words and repeat them in specific patterns. And I know that I get a lot more experience with doing, I mean, a lot more results by doing things my own way. And yet the few things that I did keep from my mm-hmm. tradition is only there because I'm able to connect to it because I, you know, they're mine, not because somebody else told me. So, yeah, and I'm... Very, I am, even though I don't, I don't let it rule my life. I am more conscious about the things I say, um, the words I use to express myself, um, uh, because I'm, I'm more sensitive to the fact that the words that we use, the vibration of the words that we use can create, um, cages for us that, um, limit us in the way that we see ourselves and other people. So, I don't know. Well, you're saying it's, you're not going to let it rule your life, and what we're really speaking of is that it's always ruling your life. Your words, your thoughts, your emotions, specifically your words. Well, I don't know. I mean, if, you, if we talk about letting it flow... Well, it's ruling your life because it's creating. You cannot uncreate something if you're speaking it. Like, you know, in psychology or hypnosis... They say their mind doesn't think on negative. You can not think of a pink elephant. Everybody knows that example. It goes all the way to what unfolds in your life comes directly from what you say about your life and what you believe about your life. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely say things differently about my about my life now. Um, but what we're talking about is just this awareness. This awareness that we are always, always, always creating our life oh, yeah. with our thoughts and words and feelings and emotions. And again, we're bringing it back to words. Lilith brought, uh, brought up this. I heard it only one other time where the word spelling comes from. Hmm. And it's to cast a spell. Right? I mean, that's what I know it is. And do you know it the same way? Because that's what oh you said. You wanted to speak yes. about spelling. Yeah. Spelling. I want to go back a little bit, though, and comment on your statement in regards to precision and how in the Catholic Church you had to say things a certain way. And then now that you're an adult, of course, that rigorous, dogmatic way of operation doesn't resonate anymore now that you're awakened and so forth, right? Um, I have felt that way and in some ways do feel that way still. And at the same time, when I put aside my emotional, like, understanding or connection to precision 
and I look at it from an energetic perspective, which is what I've had to start doing because there are actually a lot of things that I grew up with in religion that actually mm-hmm. flipping resonate and it, they draw it from esotericism. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is actually goes way back. This isn't just Christianity, right? This goes all through the different perspectives and beliefs. So I can't just diss it. Even though it's connected to Christianity, there's still some truth to it. So being comfortable with that left brain precision, this is the way it's got to be done, kind of patriarchal perspective, can actually prove to be very beneficial to us on our individual journeys. Because if we look at frequency, connects us to alchemy. And in order for alchemy to take place in a moment or for there to be an alchemical fusion or an alchemical shift, in order to shift something from a lead frequency into something that a value as a gold frequency, then we have to be comfortable with precision because lead is a frequency, gold is a frequency. Well, how are you going to get lead to, to gold without shifting the frequency? Well, frequency is vibration, right? So there has to be an amount of like precision if you're making a mill and you really, you know, this needs some more salt. Well, if you put in turmeric, you're not going to get what you're looking for. Or if we put in, you know, sesame seeds we're not going to get what we're looking for we actually have to use precision we have to use salt in order to get the flavor of salt so precision from that perspective or that sense can be really really positive because it allows us to create alchemical change when we can see okay this person's got a lot of blue energy on or they've got a really good heart but then they're hung up on this over here so then what is the antidote for that energy and then you prescribe that to them and they implement it and then they find their balance. So in that sense, precision is really positive. And something I found with frequencies is that words, spells, spelling, S-P-E-L-L-I-N-G, when we write and speak, we are casting spells. And it is said many have come forth, like the movie The Secret and so forth, and said that, you know, of course, naturally what we think we create. So... What else to say about it besides that? I feel like you would like to say something. Oh, I find myself now using a lot less words when I'm performing my own kind of personal ceremonies. A lot of it comes out as humming, vibrate, just sound. Mm-hmm. And it varies. It rises. It goes lower in vibration. Um, and the the reason why I... Well, let's just say I used to focus very much on being precise about everything that Mm. I would do because a a lot of experiences in my background was like walking on a, on a landmine in my, my family life. So in that, in those situations, you've got to be very precise about where you're stepping. Um, and, but it, it hindered me in a lot of ways. And what I've found is that I, my, in my own individual process, it's been good for me to move the dial or the needle away so much from being precise and careful all the time to being more um, playful and experimental, regardless of whether the experiment, you know, the chemical experiment, like in class, kind of blows up in your face, whatever. Um, I find myself less afraid of that. Um, it, it's interesting when we talk about you know, spells, the original word for magic was uh, grammary, where we get the word grammar from. That was a word that was used um, alongside with with magic. 
So there is, when I think about words, the words that we speak, a lot of times I think more of, of the vibration behind it because I'm becoming more sensitive to vibration and the t- tones and vibration um, and the way people speak um, to the point where I can actually feel it in my, in my body. And so when I say particular things now, I do step back and say, well, wait a minute, did I really mean that? But I don't do it from a, a critical perspective. It's more of like trying to figure out why I've said certain things over and over again as a theme in my life and how is it that I've gone from seeing those particular words and phrases as, as a theme and now it's changing in a different direction where I'm, I'm saying things differently now and I'm looking at my life differently because of the way that my vibration has changed because I no longer focus on the it makes a big difference. difficult stuff yeah and I, I found that once I got a hold of um, just the self-awareness on my language everything really changed for me and it's continuing to change I find myself I get challenged with precision a lot because I realize that it's all precision meaning even when I'm unclear and chaotic it's still precise because that is what I generate that is what happens next anyway so it's all precision and to take the challenge and to go no 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 what is it that you actually want somebody asked me that today Somebody says, no, what do you want? What do you want to, what are you wishing for? And I still find myself freeze from years and years of wondering, I can't really get what I want. I can't really have what I want. And therefore, who am I to ask for it, to speak it? And this whole process of compassion and self-love and forgiveness and not being afraid of punishment, not being afraid of what might happen if I just ask for what I want and that's what reclaiming our innocence is all about. So tap me out and tap me into you. Heal my brain and my body too. Balance my chemistry. Hydrate these cells cause the body talks and meditation helps. The body talks and meditation helps. singing it with us so that's good you know we almost took this song off rotation but now glad you didn't yeah good good he's a good one a good brother Nako. medicine for the people yeah so let's uh this is actually the last live show for talking alternative for 2015 so this next time talking alternative goes back on the air it will be 2016. It will be new year, new intentions, new resolutions. What are your guys' takes on resolutions and intentions? Do you, what's up? What's the latest OS update on New Year New Year's resolutions? Do you guys have any? You want to share them? I feel like I like to complete our last segment. That's a good resolution. With that yet. Okay, do that. <laughs> it's just more. I'd like to make the statement that we speak so much, and I myself speak about love and light and positivity and staying focused there, and sometimes. Someone will say, well, you know, how can you just ignore the wars and ignore what's going on? It's not that I ignore it. I'm constantly, rather constantly, in a space to receive clarity and information uh, and solutions to present to resolve these different situations. So, indeed, keep an amount of 
or I encourage us to keep an amount of an analytical mind per se in a positive way and to question things and to challenge things because that's how they evolve. If we all just say, oh, it is just the way it is and it's all divinely led and it's all perfect. Like we do say that, but we have to have that in moderation with, you know what, this isn't working. And I could just accept the way it is or I can do something about it, be innovative and create something new and let's shift the course of the human race and where it's going. So it's a balance of both and that could be considered negativity, but there is a difference between negativeness and what we so despise or dislike, which would be considered like evil. So there's darkness, but know that there's different energies that can disguise itself in darkness and as well as the light. So we can't even really commit ourselves to any precise structures other than following our gut and our, our core and the God within us letting it guide us and keeping a balance between between these two supposed parallel realities or the light and the dark. Keep a balance between the two. So if it's not a precise structure, yet structure really does still help, right? So it's it's a dance or what yeah. is it? How would you describe it? Is it a loose structure or is it a... So for myself, yeah, my personal journey and experience, I visualize this white beam of energy going through my head like at all times. Literally, it's like constantly pictured there in my subconscious and then my my flesh around it i allow it to move and flow and act and respond and create and express so it's like i always have that stable core of guidance within me activated present alert all the while my my physical incarnation my physicality like the fairy within me the mermaid within me the magical being i let her dance and express and play and keep the innocence alive so i don't think the structure necessarily has to come from external harnessing in a in like extreme manner we can have the harness inside and then externally just let it flow around it and that's where i think confidence that when someone is activated that way that's who you would define oh that's a confident person it's because they know what they have inside of them and they're like i'm strong inside you know so it allows them to externally express that solidness that consistency have you found you have you always have you always had a, an imagination that served you, or is that a practice, or is that a new experience? Because I was thinking about it the other day, just after s- spending some time with you, thinking about your upbringing and, and your imagination. If your upbringing and your imagination go you know, hand in hand, and how you are able to transmute or transform protective imagination into creative imagination, is that can that be a real journey because people that's what people have imagination people say to me a lot actually and the work that I do with people is I feel like I I can't imagine I don't have an imagination and that is an imagination on its own because when you speak it flows and there is something about it that just seems inviting and I'd like to explore that for a minute what can you advise people who feel like their imagination is stuck? Their innocence is just a concept. It's not an experience for them. To bring, to reawaken the innocent boy or girl, just oh, I call it like reawaken the unicorn within someone. The rainbow, you know, a balance of all the different colors, harmony between all the chakras in the energy body. Uh, how to go about that? A main way to stimulate the innocence, per se, is to read um, a mythological children's book Hmm. like read about the greek gods and goddesses and cupid and apollo and goddess diana and the nymphs and how they interacting and what they did and like re-stimulate the concept of mysticism and 
parallel realities and worlds where you don't dare go into because it's so sacred there lies a goddess you know it's her sacred space and you don't go in there or if you're here at this time of day you'll see apollo the sun god fly his chariot across the sky his chariot of fire with his horses and like really go into these different stories and it does it awakens your imagination in a very classy way Mm. yeah and then the, the inner child like perks up so also hanging out with kids that's i pretty much have to have children in my reality because they're constant reminders of innocence and i would say that my success in life regardless of any trainings or schooling or anything has been staying in tune to my innocence i refuse to let my innocence die I refuse to. It won't. My imagination won't stop. I refuse. So that's something I actually intentionally nurture and make sure she stays fed. And make sure the little girl in me is like healthy, strong, vibrant, present. Okay. So it's an intentional thing that I do that someone I think has to do. Or yeah, the mundane world could get pretty confining. But that's huge. That's a great help just for me listening to it. Because I know I, I've had to almost fight to maintain my innocence at least perception wise because I I always follow uh, most of the time I do follow I believe in myself I like I like what my heart has to sing and tell and share with you know just with myself and many times I find or I have found the world to be skeptical of my innocence like it's too good it's it's not innocent and I've had to fight for it literally especially in the past year speaking of closing 2015 I I've almost doubted myself just based on other people's perception of behaviors that literally just following my own truth, my own innocence, my own purity. And it seems like it's a, it's it's a, it's like a, it's one of those fights that are worth fighting for, even though it's kind of an oxymoron to fight for your innocence. But you have to, it's our birthright. We have to keep it alive. It's like the key to me. Innocence is the key to Godhood. Honestly, it embodying what you would def- describe or define as divinity in the physical form on a consistent basis. Or even if it's not consistent in the sense of like, am I always acting like an angel, what you would define as angel? Sometimes I'm probably too stern with people when commanding them to do a precise project and they want to argue with me and it's like, I have, I know how it's supposed to be done. Just follow through, right? I could handle the situation different sometimes, but ultimately I always keep that innocence at arm's length, if not presently active within. Yeah. Would you be willing to come next year on this podcast and do a show, a podcast about innocence? Because that is a uh, that is a great way to start 2016. And I, I guess you could say no, but it would be really wonderful. How about this? Let's leave it to the divine flow. Yes, we started with flow, and we are kind of getting close to the end of again the last show of last live show for Talking Alternative on air. And I do, I really do wish myself and you, my intention is to surrender, my 2016 intention really is to surrender to the flow that I'm already aware of. And even though it can be a newer type of experience for me to just continue to trust it at the rapid pace that I'm doing, uh, it takes courage and it takes support and we need each other for that. We need each other to really Uh just trust. Really, really, really trust. What about you, Rich? How is uh, what's 2016 looking for you? I've just been playing with stimulating my imagination, and um, uh, which has mainly been getting my magical inspiration from uh, fantasy novels, comics, 
I'm not really looking at magical text specifically like, uh, you know, Aleister Crowley or, or any of this kind of stuff, but I've been getting, you know, if you really want to find something that will stimulate your imagination and kind of bring you into this magical realm as an adult, you can read um, Lev Grossman's Magician's Trilogy, which is really good. Um, Alan Moore's Promethea, which is a phenomenal um, series of comics. But that's where I've been getting my my magical inspiration from um and i put myself in a in a mode where i reenact what i read in those books out in the world i mean it may sound silly but i go out there on the subway and pretend that i'm in the underworld and i'm you know i i i interact with people as if i am this goddess character promethea Hmm. and uh it's you know it's fun which i think is is something that maybe we should put more emphasis on sometimes is is having fun in this work that we do right yeah um and when i say that that's like that's a good sign (laughs) (laughs) fred any oh yeah this is like is amazing you know it's been uh incredible to see how we've been all kind of mirroring each other with like uh lilith bought up about the myths you bought about the comic books I started recently getting into like this resurgence of comic books as well. Like I went to Barnes and Nobles the other day. I probably bought like eight, nine graphic novels and all of them. I start like archetypally deciphering and like deconstructing them. How do they work out? And what I get from them is like, I remember back when I was like a little, little kid, I asked my mom, I'm like, mom, did I grow up like, what were my favorite superheroes? Did I grow up like in the Green Lantern? Because, you know, the Green Lantern is like such a fascinating archetype. It's about, you know, using will and owning your fear, owning your vulnerability and using your imagination to create and help people. But what comes with that, you know, what comes is a great deal of responsibility as well. And I guess my intention or resolution, you could say, is to really clear out the parts of myself that are just inferior that don't live up to these responsibilities for the God-given gifts that I was given. And just to finish up um, on this theme of comic books, one of our new shows starting in January 18th is going to be a show all about comic book art and comic book pop culture. And we will see, talk to everybody after the New Year's. Happy New Year. Happy holidays. Thank you so much for tuning in.